I think actually I do find it helpful to always be working to something to have that drive. And so when I do take those holidays, when I take those moments during the day, those little breaks, but I am still working to something, maybe in five years time, I'll have an answer for what it is to not work to something and just sort of let life take you where it takes you. But at the moment, I find that working towards something helps drive me and helps keep me motivated and satisfied and happy. Welcome to the Big Career Small Children podcast. My name is Verena Hefti. I believe that no one should have to choose between becoming a CEO and enjoying their young children. For far too long, brilliant people have found themselves stuck on the career ladder when they have children. And that leads to gender inequality and the same stale, mostly male middle-class people leading our organizations. I absolutely believe we need to change this and I do think we can. And one of the ways of doing so is in my hope is that many of you listening right now to this podcast will eventually progress to the most senior leadership positions possible where you make decisions that make our world a better place. But to make this practically possible, I also run a social enterprise to provide the practical support in order to get there. So beyond the podcast, I'm the CEO and founder of the Social Enterprise Leaders Plus, which is all about the practicalities of supporting parents to get to those more senior roles through equal career progression, but also do it in a way that works for them rather than emulating types of working that we've done 50 years ago. So a few updates. We now have a free resource section on the website where you can download helpful toolkits such as on returning from maternity leave, securing a promotion as a working parent, applying for a flexible working request or managing dual career couples. All that is on leadersplus.org. I'm also delighted that you can now apply to the Cross-Sector Leaders Plus Fellowship Programme for the cohort starting in November. Applications close on the 29th of October 2023 and we have 60 spaces available. Last year, a really large proportion of those spaces were taken up by podcast listeners and I would be delighted to see many of you apply. It is a nine-month career development program for working parents where you connect with like-minded working parents who love their careers and their kids and don't want to sacrifice one for the other. You will get a personal senior leader mentor and structured thinking time to work out what you want for your family and career and also get that practical support to get there. All the details are on leadersplus.org forward slash apply. This episode, I'm talking to Matt Hayes about how to combine a CEO life with young children, but how to both have a startup and a CEO day job and young children, as well as caring responsibilities for older relatives and why he still thinks that becoming a CEO or managing director is the right thing to do. Enjoy the conversation. I am Matt. I work at Technology from Sage. I'm the managing director. It's an edtech division within a larger group called Sage Publishing. I have 70 different members of staff. And in my family, I have my wife, Abby, and I have two little girls, a five-year-old and a two-year-old, Cora and Freya. And we should probably say you've actually been recommended by your wife to be on this podcast because she and I were talking about CEOs with 
children who make it work. And he, he, she said, you must speak to my husband. So that's why you're here. It's a bit of a relief that she, that she <laughs> says that as well. That's nice to know because you always, when you're both working and parenting at the same time, you always worry if you've got the balance right and each respectively feel guilty at times when you shouldn't. Mm. But So it's nice to know that she said that. It's great. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So the next question is one that I ask of every of our podcast listeners. Can you tell me one thing that you've changed your mind on over the years regarding combining a big career with young children? Absolutely. It's such a good question. I think that I feel much more confident now that it is absolutely doable. I think when I started out and I looked at different leadership roles, often those leadership roles were occupied by, sadly say, often men and maybe with a more traditional family setup where they weren't really sharing the parenting. There weren't that many models very early in my career of that shared parenting at like a, a very senior level. And where there were, you did sometimes get the impression that, you know, it, it's a massive strain. You're going to be working in the evenings, working at the weekends to catch up on everything. And that whole thing of, you know, you can't have it all. I think I was a little bit worried about that. And I think that's absolutely not the case at all. Things have changed so much in the time I've been working. So in the 20 years, I've been exposed to the world of work from like first internships right through to starting career. I think things have changed so much for the better. That is definitely not the case anymore at all. And also, even if it was, such an important part of your own career is being clear where your parameters are and how you do things. And actually, you have a lot more control than you think. You don't just have to do things like everybody else does. So I think that's the big thing for me. And can you just give our listeners a bit of a flavor of your work week looks like? Because I haven't met, you know, a tech managing director yet. And it just what type of meetings do you go to? When do you see your children? Just give us a flavor of what your life looks like. Absolutely. So it's education technology. So we're creating digital products and services, in our case, for the higher education sector. And that means... I have staff from software development through to product management, marketing, sales, HR, finance, etc. But one of the real advantages I have in my sort of parenting and leading task is that I can work fully remote. So we don't actually have an office. Our parent group does have an office that we can use if we want to, but we are actually officially a fully remote team. So the employees are based all over the world, a lot in the UK. And sometimes we do meet up in and around the UK, but generally all over the world. So actually I'm speaking with, in my normal week, I'm having video calls with people in the US, in the UK, Europe, Asia, and customers all over the world as well. So in terms of how that can be balanced with parenting, I'm very lucky that it can be balanced very well. For example, I drop my kids off to nursery and school most days. My wife, Abby, and I split it. So on our best days, we might do it together. But generally speaking, we would divide it. So probably about half the week, I'm doing it. And the other half, she is. Particularly because she works for the civil service where you have to be in the office two days a week. So when she's doing that, I'm doing it on my own. And other times, we just split it between us. And when I picture a CEO or managing director in a tech company... I picture someone who doesn't live like that. I And this is probably a stereotype, but I'm imagining someone working all hours of the day, being entrepreneurial to investors. You're also doing your own startup. So 
I presume you're dealing with investors um, at some stage or another. Have you ever been faced with assumptions about how present you should be? Or is that not something you've come across? Well, so just to your first point around, you know, what a tech leader might look like. Actually, I've also realized there are so many different types of tech leaders. So even as I say this, I feel a little bit awkward to say it, but I shouldn't. But I don't have any coding capability at all whatsoever. My background is actually sales and then product management and leadership. And so you get lots of different types of tech leaders. You might get a leader that's like me, that's not, you know, brings that kind of business perspective. You also get others that have come from the engineering side. So it is a real mix. And in terms of the setup, like sort of the intensity of the work, I should say that we are not seeking investment. We are, you know, fully owned by Sage Publishing. So that does give us this kind of long-term view and stability. And so it doesn't have the same stresses that you would have in a VC-backed tech startup, for example. But I definitely have felt those pressures for how you should work. And sometimes they're passive and sometimes they're active. In previous leadership roles, you feel that pressure, for example, to be in the office, which might be difficult if you need to juggle things with kids, or why are you missing that for a particular responsibility or wanting to go and see your child in a play or anything like that. Definitely, you do feel that. Sometimes it's more tacit. And also, I sometimes might feel it around the pressure to travel for work. But I'm lucky now, I, I would say pretty confident I don't feel that in my current role. Sage is a very good employer in that respect. It, For example, it has a fantastic family leave policy. And in fact, maybe that's one advice I might have that when I was a parent early on or like before having kids, I didn't look at things like that in employer terms and conditions and benefits. And it's not just the benefit that matters. It's also what that says about their culture. If the employer has a really good family leave policy, then you know that they are generally supportive. So for example, in Sage's case, has a very good policy that is actively designed for the husband to also take significant time off as well. And I think Sage took that view because has quite a, a female strong staff workforce and so wanted to encourage those men to also be taking time out. So there was that balance across the teams and that career progression wasn't missed as a result of that, which is great. So I think I would look out for that more. And I'm, I feel very fortunate that I do have that at Sage. And in the rare moments where you are faced with assumptions or even in your previous jobs, is there anything that you're doing differently now compared to how you dealt with that a few years ago? I think I try to avoid now spending too much time beating myself up about that assumption. I think in the past, I might have spent far too much time thinking about that assumption and thinking, oh, are they right? Should I be doing more of this and that? And now I think I realize that every leader is successful for different reasons. In some cases, it can be work ethic and, you know, that they are just committing to the role to a huge amount with or without kids. And that can be a huge aspect to their success. There's certainly no point pretending that's not the case in some cases. But in others, it's just because they have a better instinct. In others, they have like better interpersonal skills. And so when you are faced with those assumptions about working longer hours or traveling more for sales visits or uh, doing things that take away from time from your family, I think now I just try to 
take a moment and reflect on what I think I uniquely bring as a leader and that I don't think that's to do with traveling lots for sales. It's not to do with working more. It's actually to do with other things that I can do without needing to compromise the time I spend with my kids and bring fencing that around work. What are the things that make you feel like confident that, yes, I am a good enough leader, even if I don't work hours until midnight every day? Absolutely. So I think being able to get things done is really important. It sounds a bit cliched and crass, but doing things in your role as a leader is incredibly important. I think I do that well. So it might not end up being the best possible strategy, but actually doing it is always better than doing nothing at all. So that for me is that I'm always very much focused on implementation and execution, making sure we follow through and get things done. So that that's my one area. And I suppose connected to that is the vision piece, you know, making sure you've got a clear view of where you think the business should be headed and what you should be working on long term. Of course, that helps you have a plan that you can then use to get stuff done. But it also helps as a leader to give you credibility when you're talking to your employees and to your staff. So they feel like, oh, there's a good reason why Matt is a leader because he's got a vision. So, so that's good. And then I think the final piece for me is around interpersonal connection, communication, making sure that you're communicating things well and able to bring people with you, able to get on with lots of different people, different personalities. Sometimes it's not easy to get on with, but being able to do that. So I, I aspire to be very good at those things. And I think those things are not, as hopefully it's clear, they're not connected to anything that might jeopardize your time with your kids. You can do all those things intelligently in whatever time you allocate for your work. I love that clarity. Um, that's very powerful. And were you always so clear as you are today that you wanted to spend a considerable amount of time with your children? Or is that something that evolved in your thinking? I think I was. Even before having kids, I think I, I don't think I would have thought about it too much. But I went to boarding school from a young age as a kid, from age 10. So it's again, another cliche, but having spent that time away from your family, away from your parents, as a parent myself, first of all, I'm determined not to send my kids to boarding school, but also I want to be there, really want to be active, present, you know, even just selfishly, I think it's really fun and enjoyable. So I think I knew that before I had kids. And then when we had our first daughter, Cora, I was very fortunate there that I had, I was moving from one job to another and I was able to get like a month in between the two while my wife Abby was still on maternity leave and in that month we both you know, went away we went to the south of France and we had that time just the three of us having Abby had I think about that stage six or nine months or so of maternity leave while I've been working at the same time so that was a, an exposure to wow, the more time I spend with Cora, the more amazing it is. This is fantastic. After having, you know, stolen those evenings when you get back from work in the mornings and then having that dedicated month where we weren't working at all, either of us, and really being able to spend time was amazing. And so that was probably very transformative because it reinforced that I definitely want as much time as possible. So, yeah, I would say that really closed it for me, really made, made it clear that the more time, the better. 
And what was the toughest moment of combining a managing director or CEO role with kids? I think it's that if I'm being really honest, and Abby would say the same, my wife Abby would say the same, there's no slack in the system. <laughs> so as I say, my father has Alzheimer's. So my mum doesn't live that close anyway. But either way, there's no support from that side of the family in terms of the everyday childcare because it's just not practical. Although my mum is fantastic and she sees our girls regularly, but it wouldn't be fair to ask her to you know, do a, a day a week or like drop everything and come and help us out. And then on the other side of the family, we've had some difficulties with my wife's parents and they're also far away in Dorset as well. So we don't have that kind of family support network to be able to say, we're both sick, we need help with looking after the kids or the kids are sick. So when one or both of us are sick, and that comes at a time when work is busy, and maybe there's some other personal things going on as well, that's where it can be really challenging. So actually, it's interesting, it's not a particular project at work, it is just when everything comes together in one moment, that the system is tough for both of us. That's when we really feel the heat, you know, when you feel, okay, it happens to be a particularly busy time at work, and one of us is sick, so the other one is having to, you know, pull the weight of both of us, and one of the girls is sick as well, maybe, or is having some other kind of difficulty. They're not enjoying school or nursery or whatever. But I think those are the challenging times. And we should probably say at this stage, before we came online, you told me you've also you're just finishing a PhD and you're starting up a company on top of being already the CEO of a company. So why do you do this to yourself in the <laughs> nicest possible way? <laughs> yes. What is in it for you to keep doing this and keep doing these really big jobs and also keep, like, you could hire three nannies. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think I fully know why I'm doing it yet, if I'm really honest. There must be all kinds of drivers there. And in fact, anyone that seeks a leadership role, there'll be all kinds of drivers there as well. You know, it's not just the obvious financial one. You might have something to prove or you like that adrenaline rush of success. And so I do sometimes reflect on that and think, you know, did I just do the PhD? Like just do the PhD, for example, because you want the doctor title or because it's pushing yourself and you have some kind of childhood-based drive to push yourself. And that's definitely true. My, my parents and my father in particular definitely drove us as kids. My brother would always say that we're insecure high achievers. We always want to do the next thing. But actually, the PhD was in education and is a real passion of mine. It's connected to my work. And I've always felt that if I could combine a business instinct and commercial focus with something that had made a real positive impact in the world, that would be my life's purpose. So I do feel like that it's done with good intentions. And the reason why I'm doing it now is I think because I've learned that there's no time like the present, really. When mm. I see my father with Alzheimer's and you, you see all kinds of things going on in the world, I think it's just a good reminder that we have a limited time on this planet and you've really got to make the most of it. You've got to do what you want to do. And when you're young and you have the idea, the drive and the capability, then I don't think anything should hold you back. And I think 
the reason why I probably moved from the PhD directly into now starting my own startup on the side of my day job is because I've realized that it's doable. Absolutely, it, you know, there's no point pretending that it doesn't mean you have to do some all-nighters or you have to do some like early morning things at the weekend because I always try and do it outside of time with the kids. But that works for me and I like what I'm working towards. I like having that goal and I like feeling that hopefully at the end of it, I will make that positive contribution as well. My kids' school have a motto that goes something along the lines of live life to the fullest. And I think that's what you're describing right now of what you're doing. That's a fantastic motto. Absolutely. I think it's scary to think about death too much. And it's an odd thing to talk about in polite conversation on a podcast. But it's a helpful <laughs> thing. You should be reminded of it. Mm. You just never know. And also, it's not just that you need to think about. It's that actually there may be other things that go on in your life at other stages that mean it's not possible. And so if you can do it now, why not do it now? And are you able to stop? And the reason why I'm asking is because I'm really interested in that myself. When have you done enough? So let's say you're creating a strategy for your startup and it's never finished. The work of a CEO is never finished. Starting a startup is never yes. finished. My sister's done a PhD. I'm hearing that's never finished. So are you able to stop? And if yes, how? Not really, I think. If I'm being really honest, I don't think so. I mean, we, I say we because my wife and I both had this challenge, you know, being present, taking time out during your day, particularly if you're working from home, going for walks, living in the present, not constantly planning. We, we often use this phrase of not mortgaging our present for the future and making sure that we're enjoying the moment. So, I think we've gotten better and better at doing that. And I, for example, in the last couple of years have got better at trying to create gaps in my diary to give myself time, trying to remind myself to slow down a little bit and that there's no rush and taking holidays, which are completely switched off from work, which really help. But those I, but I appreciate in saying that those are kind of, it's not the same as your question about can you stop? And I don't think I have an answer to that. I think actually, I do find it helpful to always be working to something to have that drive. And so when I do take those holidays, when I take those moments during the day, those little breaks, but I am still working to something, maybe in five years time, I'll have an answer for what it is to not work to something and just kind of let life take you where it takes you. But at the moment, I find that working towards something helps drive me and helps keep me motivated and satisfied and happy. I don't usually interrupt a podcast for ads, but as you know, I really passionately believe we need more people who don't look like your stereotypical white male stale middle class leader works nine to five in decision making roles. And so I just want to take a minute to very warmly invite you to apply to our cross-sector fellowship program. That is, if you're listening right now, you're caring for your kids, you do find the juggle tough at times, but also you do have big dreams for your career. And if that's you, then I would love it if you would put an application in. Any questions, just get in touch. I've asked a past fellow, Jennifer Crowley, to share with you what she got from the experience. All the details are on leadersplus.org forward slash apply. This is Jennifer's experience.
Hi, I'm Jennifer Crowley, Global Director of Responsible Business with Kin and Carta. We are a digital transformation consultancy with colleagues around the world and really, really proud to be the first listed B Corp on the London Stock Exchange. I completed the Leaders Plus um, program in 2021 as I was returning from Matley with my second child. It was game changing for me. I feel so lucky to have met it, to have met the program, to have met Verena, to have met the structure, the preparation and the diligence that goes into every minute of every call. It is such good value. Why has it been game changing for me? I met it at the right time. I was really clear that I did not want to repeat that dip that I experienced from my first maternity leave. My ambition was higher than ever. And so I needed to be quite intentional about seeking out the support that my mind, my intellect, and my emotions needed to get back in the game as I was returning from that leave. The people that I met on the course have become allies and uh, co-conspirators for life, I hope. We've met in real life a few times, but the hybrid nature of the Leaders Plus program has really worked for schedules and for deadlines and for all of the competing demands of life. My advice to anyone considering whether they deserve such a support program is don't hesitate. Do prioritize, do fight for the time to get clear on why and how you will work it. It's a muscle. And so the structure, the insight, the research that the course brings you does deserve that time to, to reflect upon and to incorporate into how you go about your work, into the annual targets that you will set as part of your role. I offer my absolute support and encouragement to anybody that's considering the program. Very specifically, it equips you with knowledge, it reduces your doubt, and it galvanizes your ambition into a very constructive plan. I don't think it's any coincidence that I'm now in my dream role, working with Kin and Carter's executive board to really solidify our ESG ambitions, to recertify for B Corp, and to go on and do great things for our clients in the context of the climate and diversity and inclusion. It sounds like you're scheduling time for yourself in a similar way as you, you're scheduling work. Is that fair to yes, say? Yes, absolutely. I mean, it can sound very banal, but if it helps, I mean, what I do is I literally put that time in my diary. And in fact, I'm probably a little bit control freak in that respect. I don't have an assistant and having some support from an assistant has been offered to me before and actually I found that I prefer just to control it myself I prefer to put blocks in my diary so that I know that I've got gaps and that I'm you know I, I have a personal trainer for example that I see twice a week so I've got that gap in the middle of the day and that forces me to get out do exercise at other times I'll leave a gap and sometimes absolutely those gaps get taken up and I let it slide but on a good day, those gaps remain, and I use that time to do real thinking. And in fact, that's where I would recommend to everybody that don't feel guilty about those gaps that you take, because actually, best decisions you can make and the best strategy that you come up with, the realization of where the real problems in your business lie, they only come when you give yourself time on that walk or just sitting in a cafe without your laptop in front of you. Yeah, I do it in a banal way of literally having those gaps in my diary. Do you think you're able to do these things now because you have that managing director slash CEO role? 
Oh yes. Would you be able to do it in a more basically in a more junior role? It's much harder to put that Absolutely in your diary. Right. I think that's that's entirely fair. In fact, I was reflecting on this the other day. That's when I was talking to somebody else, like urging them to pursue a leadership path. That that's one of the best reasons to become a leader. That yes, there's more work, more responsibility, but you are more your own master. Having said that, if you have the right culture in your organization, it should be possible at every level. And I would certainly, and I certainly try in my team to make sure that we have that culture. For example, I don't hide that I'm off taking walks or that, for example, with my leadership team, I used to have recurring one-to-one calls with them. And then I removed those because I found that those were, because I have quite a few direct line reports, it's basically like taking an entire day in my week. Now, I just encourage them to come to me when they want to talk about things. And that allows me to be to align my time better to where the challenges are rather than having those. So I do try to talk openly about that, encourage that across the organization. But absolutely, I do appreciate that, unfortunately, you can be at the whim of both your organizational culture and who your line manager is and who your peers are and that kind of organic culture within a sub-team. If everyone else in your team isn't doing that, then it's very hard to set your own Mm. terms. But you should do your, you should definitely try your utmost to do it. And in fact, probably you'll find when you do do that, that your peers are grateful for it and that they start to follow you. Absolutely. Not having any pre-scheduled one-to-ones will be sounding a bit radical to some of the listeners, yes. especially, I mean, your wife works in the civil service and my impression is that's quite a different picture. Is there anything else radical or different that you are doing that would be worth sharing with the listeners? Yes, absolutely. I totally recognize it's radical, by the way, so much so that I constantly question, is it the right thing? Should I be reinstating it? And so far, I don't think so. It seems to be working. I'm lucky that I've got a great leadership team. And I think it might be different if you were, for example, if I was one of my leadership team, in their case, it probably isn't appropriate because they need to be giving much more direct support to managers that are relatively new or just coming into their roles and they need that regular support. Whereas in my case, my leadership team are already quite senior and so they have developed over time an awareness of when they need to take things to me, when they need my help, when I'm going to want to know a looming problem or opportunity. So definitely isn't one size fits all. And in fact, even in my case, it might be that I stand it up again at another point in time when we need it, if we're facing a crisis or something. There's other radical things. I think it's not necessarily radical because I know that we all aspire to it, but I think meetings in general, particularly if you are a remote team like we are, where everyone is based on different time zones and not in the same office, trying to achieve as much as you can asynchronously as possible is a good rule of thumb and trying to avoid meetings for the sake of it. Sometimes meetings get set up for a project because you want to have that checkpoint to basically hold everyone to account. And it's quite a helpful tool to do that in some respects. But if you do that too often, you can end up looking at your week and you look at all the meetings and think, oh, these are basically just checking everyone's doing what they're meant to be doing. And there are other ways of doing that, whether it's simple as email or a fancy SaaS tool that can can help you with that as well. So I would encourage everyone to look at their meetings and see what they can cull, see what's really essential and make sure the meetings are being used in the right way. So 
obviously having clear agendas. But equally, I like the whole point that when I do have my one-to-ones with my leadership team, because we don't have them so regularly and because I've been able to give myself more time in my diary as a result, it can be just a half-hour, hour conversation where they're expressing their frustrations and their challenges and it's pastoral support. It doesn't have to be you know, agended to the minute. And I think that's important as well. That's very interesting. I'm asking the obvious here, but is this possible to use in a really target-driven environment? I mean, you've got a sales background anyways. So does that mean you do all the tracking of performance in an asynchronous way? Or how do you make sure that the organization performs? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, targets are so important. And we're constantly trying to get better at our targets because I do believe that what's measured is what gets done or you know, or what's measured is what matters. And so that's both a pro and a con. So if you're, if you're measuring the wrong things, you can be incentivizing the wrong behaviors. So we're always trying to get better as a team at what we are measuring as our KPIs and the targets we have and so on. So for example, there are the obvious ones of revenue, you know, customer retention, new business growth, but also the less obvious ones of, well, how do I know that our product is being valued by our customers and that we have a high likelihood of renewal? Is that usage or is it the quality of usage and the impact coming from that? Or is it something else altogether? And setting targets for that and then measuring them and reviewing them asynchronously and then in all hands, etc. Those kind of things from the very top right cascaded right down to an individual junior manager where their boss can say to them, here are your objective key results for the year and here are the measurable targets against them. Those definitely are really helpful in a context where you want to try and avoid meetings for the sake of it and have more high quality meetings and where everybody is remote because that is the best way, I think, of making sure that everyone is working in the same direction. So targets, KPIs, absolutely. Interesting. And you and Abby have any routines at home with the family to make things easier or more enjoyable? Peppa Pig? (laughs) Um, (laughs) I mean, as a side point, that whole area of TV and what is a good amount, I mean, that's a stress for any working parent, isn't it? Mm -hmm. The, The temptation to put the TV on in the background and catch up on your team's messages, on your emails, etc. I mean, we definitely struggle with that. We're try, trying to get better at that all the time. What routines do we have? We, I don't know if these are necessarily routines to help, but I'll tell you our routines so that you can see, you know, it's just an ordinary a parenting style and that we have the same challenge as everyone else, that our youngest, our two-year-old, wakes up ridiculously early. I don't know how she does it. She, a nightmare to get to sleep and then she wakes up really early so normally one of us tags in to take her downstairs that's where we first try to avoid the temptation of putting the tv on so that the the, the parent that's looking after can make coffee and just try and wake up but if we can avoid the temptation to put the tv on then we'll be down there with freya making coffee bringing coffee up to the other and then our eldest wakes up and we're sort of into the whole breakfast together Everyone's having showers, everyone's rushing around getting dressed, etc. And then kind of the flip side in the in the evening routine. So if there's any parent listening that's like, I don't get my kids to bed early enough or having to wake up so early and not getting enough sleep and 
we're definitely there. It's not like, you know, we're sleeping eight hours a night and exercising all the time and having our collagen coffee or whatever it's called, whatever Orlando Bloom says. So definitely recognize that. I think the, the positive routines that we have are every other Friday, one of us takes the afternoon to look after the kids together because they come out of nursery and school early at about three o'clock. So that's a really nice routine because often it's totally doable within work because you can work extra around it. So you don't need to think about it in terms of extra time. But it means that we get often one-to-one time with the kids, which is nice to give them that dedicated time from one parent. And so I think, and we try and find, they're not routines, but we try and find other habits like that every now and then where we might say, oh, we think that our eldest Cora maybe needs a little bit of extra love from us because it's been a busy period. So let's take the afternoon off and do something together or I'll take the afternoon off or Ad will take the afternoon off to go see an afternoon movie together or whatever early, pick them up on time from school to do that. The things like that, I think it's almost like the opposite of routine, I suppose, but sprinkling in those like surprises, I think is a nice way of making sure you have extra time and making it fun. They'll remember that. And I love that fun element. Thank you so much for being honest about the TV. That is exactly, I've landed on the place where actually the most important thing is that the parents are doing well. And if TV helps, just a quick break with the TV, it helps the parents to be well, then that definitely matters. My favorite, if we're putting the TV on and it's like super early in the morning, in the winter in particular, I think Freya's getting better now, but there was a time last winter when she'd be getting up at like 4.30, 5am. And I really like watching, I never get the order right, but I think it's the the horse, the fox, the mole, and the boy. I think. Do you remember that one? It was on mm-hmm. Christmas, I think, last year. It's nice because it's very slow. It's got beautiful music. It's quite calming. It calms me down in the morning. And so we, that's something that we did for a while where I'd be sipping coffee for half an hour watching that with Freya. So I don't think TV should be always seen as this evil, but it's a helpful tool. But yeah, I do appreciate we have to be careful not doing too much. And picture that your children come to you in 25 years time and they say look daddy I want to go for the CEO role I'm also expecting a baby or in the process of adopting a baby or older child any advice what would be the most important advice that you want to pass them on I think the most important advice would be to give them confidence and to reassure them and to say you're going to be fantastic go for it you'll make it work and There may be times where it feels like you're not making it work and also don't worry about that. Be kind to yourself. I do feel whether in parenting as working or just in general trying to succeed at work, the biggest issue I see is a lack of confidence. And I think that if we all spend a bit more time building each other up and building ourselves up, then we'll be better at our jobs and also happier and more peaceful in our mind. I think that it's so easy to get anxious and to overthink and to second guess yourself and to worry so much and so you need to have a champion that reminds you that you're great and that you can do this so I would hope that I could be that for my daughters then and of course their other halves their partners or anyone else they have in their life at that point as well I think that's the thing I would say because then if you have that hopefully in 25 years time we won't have this but we probably will realistically there's always someone that says that they don't mean it, but just 
I mean, just I think last year there were mums at school that would say in passing, oh, I, just, I couldn't put my child in care for the whole day, you know, from school and after school club. Don't know how you could do that. And obviously when you mm-hmm. hear that as a mum or a dad, that's hard to hear because you think, well, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm doing you know, <laughs> we're putting our kids in from nine to six on every day. And there'll be other parents that are doing more than that as well. So you're always going to hear things like that. And I think just have to remind yourself that when someone says something like that, they don't mean it. They're not really thinking. We only really know our own frame of reference and just to feel confident about your own choices. So again, it all comes back to confidence and being kind to yourself. But I would say to my daughters in 25 years time and anyone now to go for it. Excellent. So my next and last question in that case is if someone's listening to this and thinks, oh, I'm actually quite inspired. Maybe I should, after all, try to go for a CEO or managing director type role. Um, However, they've only got five minutes next week to start on that process because they're also doing a PhD and doing lots of other (laughs) exciting stuff. What would be a simple first step to move into the direction of putting themselves in a position to become a CEO or managing director? Such a good question. I think you've got to be prepared to move and to go outside your comfort zone. So if you see a job role where you think that you only meet 70% of the requirements, please don't let that put you off. Just apply anyway. You know, I'm always saying that to my wife, Abby. She often will look at the job and think, oh, I'm not sure I'm quite fit for this. And I'm thinking, no, but you, you really are. She says the same to me sometimes as well, because we can all feel insecure about it. But So I think that's the one thing. Go for it. There's nothing, you're not going to lose anything by going for it. So, and when I say move, I mean, try to keep moving up. And it'll probably mean leaving your organization in many cases, particularly early career. It can be quite challenging to progress in your company, you know, and I think being honest about how a company works and how it monitors salaries and profitability, etc. If you wait, if you're waiting for someone to say to you, great job, you have this fantastic promotion for you with great new salary and title, then you might be waiting, unless you're in a great company, you might be waiting too long. So I think look out for those other roles outside of your company, apply for them and keep moving. The way I like to think of it, or from what I used to think of it in my 20s, is like the stairs in Harry Potter, which are both best seen in the, in the movies, you know, where they, they rotate. So you almost want to make sure you when you get to the top of one staircase, you jump to the next one. So particularly early on in your career, think to yourself, have I learned everything I can in this role? Have I made some impact sufficient to be able to talk confidently about it in an interview and on my CV? If so, it's time to make the jump to the next one and keep doing that. I think that's my best advice I can give to put yourself in a position where you can get into that leadership CEO role. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Matt. And If people want to find out more about you or your work, where should they go? Well, please connect with me on LinkedIn. You can find me, uh, I think it's Matthew A. Hayes 1. But if you put Matthew Hayes Technology from Sage, you'll find me on LinkedIn. And always keen to hear. I would always respond. So please do. Fantastic. And is there anything that you wanted to say that I haven't asked you about yet? I think maybe just, you know, why is leadership a great thing? I just maybe say something about that. I I really think that leadership is a wonderful responsibility. It is a responsibility. And the most important thing that you will do 
in your role is anything that affects people. In the moment, absolutely, you have to be goal-focused and you have to take the business forward. And so in the short term, those are the measures of your success. But in the long term, the ultimate measure of success of your success as a leader and the thing that will keep you happy is the impact that you have on the people that work around you and for you. And that's what makes leadership such a, I think, a wonderful responsibility because you can have the most impact as a leader. And it is really rewarding to see people grow and to play a small part in helping them get a little bit further than they might have done without you. And it's a, it's a real privilege. So I would just say that it's a really rewarding role to be in and definitely important to pursue and worth going for and don't be afraid of it. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Matt. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening and spending this time with me today. If it has been helpful to you, but you would like more support from others to help you develop your career and enjoy your family in a realistic way, then I would love for you to consider joining our fellowship program, which is a high impact program helping you progress your career with little ones in tow. All the details are on leadersplus.org forward slash apply. On the fellowship, you will get access to an amazing group of peers who all have experienced bringing up kids whilst progressing their career. You'll get access to brilliant role models who've been there, done that, support with practical challenges, for example, workload management or say no, and you'll be given time to develop your vision and make a plan for what you want to achieve in your career, but also in your family life. And you'll do that in small group sessions. In our last cohort, more than half have got promoted or have got senior responsibility, more senior responsibility by the end of the program, for example, a board role. And they have all got involved in some shape or form in driving vital change for working parents. In terms of the impact on work-life balance, there has been an increase of, let me think, was it 61 or 59? 61 or 59%, I need to look up the data, in terms of the self-perceived ability to manage work-life balance. So real massive impact. So if you want to join, then do put in an application. You've got until the 29th of October, 2023. And all the info is on leadersplus.org forward slash apply.